see. All right. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 21 of the Jet Blast podcast. We're finally old enough to drink, but we're not gonna. So anyway, tonight, Andy and I are um, flying without Lee, so we'll probably um, figure out how much better it is with her than without her. Um, unfortunately, she's a little under the weather, so y'all shoot her some love whenever you hear this episode. Um, so it's that time of year for allergies, so think about Lee. Andy, what's that? Not much, Nathan. Excited to be back again for another episode, and uh, terribly sorry for Lee. I hope that she feels better. I know her allergies have been bugging her, and uh, yeah, that's about it. We're supposed to be flying around today and tomorrow, but the weather has got me down here and grounded, so... You mean we don't have bed. synthetic vision on the <laughs> Mars? Uh, yeah, yeah. I need to sign up a few more facilities first before <laughs> I can do that. But uh, no, all good. Uh, excited to uh, do the podcast tonight with Greg Thibodeau. Um, I have known Greg for about ten years now. Uh, he actually got me into corporate aviation, so um, yeah, you can thank him for that. Um, I met him, met him, uh, when I was selling cars actually. So that was pretty cool. And, uh, nice. he hooked me up with the right people. So Greg is, uh, Greg's a great mechanic and I used to run a little office space from him and I thought it was valuable to have him on because he set up a 145 repair station from scratch. And yeah. I kind of got a behind the scenes look of the, the fun that he had trying to get all that done and the struggles and, you know, the dedication that he needed to have. And just thought it'd be good. It's another entrepreneur um, to chat with and uh, thought it'd be pretty neat. And he's also a very, very talented uh, ragtime piano player. So you can actually find really? him on YouTube. Uh, there's nice. some videos there that uh, it, it'll blow your mind how good he is at playing the piano. So nice. Greg, good to have you. Tell us Welcome, a little bit about Greg. Hey, thanks guys. Glad to be here. Um, thanks for having me. Sorry I missed Lee. Uh, I was looking forward to meeting her. Uh, maybe next time. That's right. Um, a little about myself. Um, I uh, came from uh, a corporate aviation uh, service center. Uh, started my career in about 1999 and uh, went to Columbus State Community College, got my AMP license. Uh, moved back to Toledo, um, got a job, a couple jobs working at a couple places on Toledo Express Airfield, um, and uh, been wanting to get into national flight because of the uh, variety of, of aircraft and engines that they worked on, and uh, I had a cousin in national flight, actually, and um, kind of a way in but they weren't hiring when I when I first got out of school so I had to wait a period of about eight months and then finally after poking and prying and knocking on their door um, I was able to I was able to get in there and um, my cousin actually got me into aviation Rob Luvio um, he uh, I w actually went to I actually went to national flight when I was a, I believe a junior in high school and they had career days. I'm sure you all are familiar with Oh that. yeah, oh uh, yeah. Um, so they said, you can go with a family member, a friend or wherever to their place of work and you have your choice or whatnot. And I said, well, I'll go check, see what my cousin's doing. 
Right on. Now I went to National Flight. The the hangar was loaded with airplanes. They had sheet metal torn apart. Um, at the time, I didn't understand what was going on because I knew nothing about airplanes. Um, this would have been about 1994, I think, or so. And um, I thought, man, this this might be something I'm really interested in. I've always had an infatuation with the um, with airplanes in general, but specifically turbine engines mm -hmm. and um, just how they work, how simple they are, the amount of power they produce for how simple they are and the efficiency. Yeah, just real simple, suck, squeeze, bang, blow, right? That's right. Well, they'll tell you the same on the piston engine, but they're down about 50% compared to a <laughs> turbine right. engine in efficiency. So that's, that's right. what piqued my interest. I, I thought, geez, there's all kinds of exotic alloys and the processes, and I kind of a nerd, I nerded out on that stuff. Oh, yeah. So I thought, well, you know, this might be something for me. So I decided, you know, I'm, I, I've worked on cars with my dad since I was 10, and I just always had the mechanical aptitude, and I thought, well, let's give this a shot. This is a nice break from cars, and I, I don't know that I necessarily want to work on cars the rest of my life, so I thought this, this these airplanes seem intriguing, so... Um, <laughs> I Cars are sometimes less trouble, though, right? <laughs> yeah, well, depends. Depends yeah. on how you look at it. Nowadays, cars are getting just as complex, if not more, than some of these airplanes. But that's true. Any anyway, so I decided. So I decided that I would um, go to Columbus State, get my spend a two years program year round. Got my AMP license, moved back. As the story goes, went and. Finally got into national flight and uh, spent five years on the hangar floor um, learning the airplanes, just in and out, doing inspections, pulling panels. Um, and they got a lot of different aircraft. They had twin turbines. They had citations. They had little pipers. They had single engine piston recips. I, I changed cylinders. I changed fuel nozzles on turbine engines that were turbofans. Turbo props, no. great place for experience. And um, they saw my ambition, <laughs> I, I guess I'll call it ambition. And fortunately, the people in place early on um, recognized that and they gave me, uh, National Flight actually gave me a lot, a lot of opportunity there. Right. Um, I was able to, uh, after about five years, go to the turbine engine shop and build engines for a year and um an opportunity came up in the sales team after about a year there and i went i went into sales and the hangar um wasn't doing all that great at the time um this would have been around the 2008 area if you'll remember oh yeah it so, was everybody's hangar was suffering yeah that was a tough time yeah, yeah, yeah that was a tough time for, for all of us yeah so then um, I got on the phone. I mean, I just started calling. Um, not every, every car warranty extensions or like <laughs> I've been trying to reach you about your airplanes. Extended <laughs> this is Greg. <laughs> Hello, I am calling. <laughs> Hello, I am trying to reach you. So that you know. It's cold calling, as you guys probably know. Look at Nathan, he's laughing. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I've been, you know, it was it, cold calling is not the funnest job in the world. There's a lot of rejection. There's a lot of hangups. Um, I did it for about nine months solid. Um, there were some days I went home, I may have partaken an extra beer or two. It's mm -hmm. not the first job. But Greg, Greg, do you remember that guy? I cold called a dude at National Flight after I started there. Nobody told me about him. He picked up the phone. He asked me where I was calling from again. I told him National Flight. And he told me, he swore at me and said, I was having the best week ever until you just called me. <laughs> Are you Oh, you know what? I remember that. I Don't ever call me again. I was like, whoa, all right. And that was yep. like my first week on the job, I think. That's I do crazy. remember that. Yep. Yep. And you know what? That wasn't the only instance. And I got that too. And there no. were a couple times that, that went on and on and on. And when you get a company that works on that volume, um, they had an okay reputation in the industry, but it wasn't stellar by any means. Mm. Um, but it was, I mean, they got the job done. I mean, they did, yeah, the they did. but, um, they had, uh, they had quite a, they had quite an influx of a variety of different airplanes. So yeah. anyway, I started cold calling, made some contacts and, uh, you know, after about nine months, um, they went from a, you know, the old Western dust bunnies going across the <laughs> hangar floor to, I think, I think in that year, the same year, they did 2.8 million in sales. And um, that's Perseverance also, is a lesson, kids. Perseverance. Exactly <laughs> right. I stayed at it. I wanted to show them. I was a young, young, I guess you'd call it a whippersnapper, full disconnector, <laughs> and I just wanted to get I wanted to get at it and show the company why I deserve more money and time and attention and all that, you know, you right. know, make it for myself. So, um, and they did, they recognized it. And actually, here's a side note. After that, um, they wanted me to actually run the shop. Once we got some returning <laughs> customers and said, can you actually run the facility? We'll uh -oh. get, there was a sales team that came into place We'll sell, you run it. I said, okay. And that came from the top. That came from the president and the CEO. And he said, well, in, 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 the, in the president, the vice president's office, I was sitting there one night, it was about 5.30. And I was complaining about some stuff, running my mouth. And they said, mm -hmm. and, and the president goes, well, let me ask you something. Do you think you could run that shot? And I said, well, I think I could with the right support. I think I could. And about a half an hour later, going back and forth about some stuff at the end of that conversation, he says, well, as of Monday, you're it. This yeah. guy's hurting, you're it. And I said, okay. So I did that for about a year. And because like Andy said, I'm a very detailed oriented person. Mm -hmm. Um, I tried to hammer down. I, I could not work enough hours in the day to make. I, I had filled that hangar. There's six airplanes at any given time. The Conquest SIDS came out. Those were good for a quarter, three quarters of a uh, million dollars every, you know, every one. Mm -hmm. that came. Mm -hmm. Anywhere from 400 to 750, depending on what it needed. And People are freaking out. Customers are trying to find a way. We're trying to deal with Cessna on this. And we're, 
There's three of those sitting in the back. Meanwhile, we've got the regulars coming in the front, commanders right. and all other stuff. And it, it just got to be too much. And I, I, I could realize right then and there, on my level of customer service, I was not getting the attention or giving the attention to the mechanics, the guys on the floor, and the customers that they needed. So I went to the vice president and I said, I need some help. And he said, okay. So he came back and he said, well, we're, we're going to hire this guy, Herb. And Herb came in and he says, we're going to give Herb your job and you support him. And I, at first I was a little taken off by that, but um, at the end of the day, it worked out all right because I found, I kind of found like that dealing with the mechanics and stuff was a whole different ball game from dealing with customers and dealing with customers sure. I'm really good at. I perfected the art of dealing with an unhappy customer. What was the hardest thing about dealing with the mechanics? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Like two, a little more. It's, yeah. It takes two tif different, totally different patience levels. Mm -hmm. And so, which I learned both, but I, I decided that the lesser of two evils, honestly, was the customer. Mm -hmm. So um, I decided that I'd be okay with that and let Herb deal with production. So he did, and that worked out good. That went along for a couple of years. And then, and then uh, Herb ended up leaving, and another guy came in, and it was kind of a pseudo-run shop. There was a lot of changes going on, stuff I wasn't necessarily happy with, thinking about leaving, and then... Um, the president's one of the president's friends came in and, and started running a research and development part department. Well, cool. I mean, I've I've been fabricating stuff, metal welding all my life. Blah blah blah. Right. This, this sounds awesome. So I thought this is my chance to get out of this headache. So I I decided to go into uh, <laughs> research and development, and you know that. Other than if, if it wasn't for the guy running it, um, it would have been, I, I probably would still be there because I was doing stuff I absolutely love to do. And that yeah. I'm, really good at. I'm really good at the details, engineering, designing stuff, welding stuff together, you know, all that type of thing. So you're talking about welding like internal engine parts together. Right? No, 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 no. We weren't into that yet. National mm. Flight never got into the, the repair uh, I got you. The intricate repair of parts. They painted gearboxes. Um, I got you. And they would strip stuff and repaint it, but that was it. They never got into the exotic alloy welding or anything like that. Well, right. Honeywell, you know, Honeywell's contracts wouldn't let them touch anything. Sure. To repair it. You had to buy new parts and all that. So sure. Greg was doing. So, you built some. Uh, you built some test benches for. Uh, what did you build there exactly when you were doing the R and D stuff? Well, we we redid their torque sensor bench um that was kind of a catastrophe we made it better but that wasn't the focus that i was on um ryan actually helped a little bit with that i completely rebuilt their fuel flow bench um, from scratch and uh the guys in the shop were just, they were tickled with it i mean they they thought that was the cat's ass and they, and they just loved it and it worked great um all the plumbing you look behind it i mean i i did all rigid stainless plumbing and everything was right angles and neatly bent all to where the right. right you know and they let me do that and that was awesome because that's a kind of that's that's my personality it's that's what i like to do and you know i kind of geek out on that stuff so right. 
you know, I just, I, I, I was doing what I like to do. The problem is it's always comes down to management and the guys at, at the top and management was always looking for a way to, you know, cut costs, which I understand as a, sure. as a business owner now, I get it. Um, but they were looking at doing things that um, I didn't agree with because as a, from a functionality and long lasting forward thinking standpoint, it wasn't, it wasn't a good option. Right, right. And there were just a lot, there was just a lot of that going on and a lot of the decisions being made. Um, I remember one time my boss, <laughs> Andy, like this, my boss was, you know, who I'm talking about. Yeah. And he came to me and he says, uh, well, how do we get the bench to do this? Or how, do, there was some specific thing. I said, well, um, you know, I said, you're going to have to do X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. Right. He goes, he goes, well, can't you just do this and, and, and modify it like this? And I just, without even skipping a beat, <laughs> he didn't know. I mean, he hadn't had the practical experience sure, that I did. And I sure. just said, well, Bill, you know, that's kind of janky. You know? <laughs> and he got frustrated because that wasn't the first time I kind of hinted to that. But after a while, I just got tired of it. So, yeah, sometimes anyway, you just got to say it. Sometimes you just sometimes gotta, you got to say it and say, look, right. you know, if you hired me for a reason, you I showed you my resume, right. you were all pumped up about my resume and the capabilities. Right. You, need you to know, listen. it's funny, Greg. I, I used to have this boss in, in, in my last uh, job as an operator, not my current one, but uh, anyway, uh, in the, and a lot of people know who that operator is. But anyway, I, this guy used to come out in the hangar, we'd be working on the airplanes, right? And he'd be like, oh, my gosh, it makes me so nervous that they're over there doing that. And I'm like, it makes me nervous that you're getting in it and flying around the world. <laughs> These guys are fixing stuff they've done all their lives, and you can't even yeah. figure out how to operate the, the avionics of the airplane. But, okay, we make you nervous, right? Just go back inside. Right. right. Nice. <laughs> and, and I'm kind of like you. I, at a certain point, I got to the point where then don't come out here, right? Because these tasks yeah. have to be done. Right, right. right. Um, well, there, there's a point where sometimes you just have to, it, it's not even from a, I'm not even going to call it a right or wrong standpoint, but if, yeah. if, if your personality, dis, if, if, if who you are disagrees with what's going on, that's right. You got to make time for a change because evident, you know, at, at some point, I mean, I ended up, I was drinking more towards the end of my tenure there. I was, I was not getting along well with uh, my wife and I, mm -hmm. it, it mm -hmm. just, it just didn't, it, it wasn't, a, it's not who I wanted to be anymore. Yeah. And I, I, it, it was, it was time for a change. And that's right. why in 2013, the summer, middle of summer. Um, I decided to give National Flight after 13 years uh, my resignation, which they were mm -hmm. not happy about. And um, yeah. they, no. they... So how did that conversation go? Well, I, I, mean, think, I, I had to give a deposition for Greg, actually. That's how that conversation went. Which we move on out of this, but, my laptop. Yeah, it was, Never mind. Yeah. So we'll move on from that question. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's, it's the same. It's a, it's a great company now. Like Herb came back and bought the company and they're doing great things. Everybody's happy. They've been getting raises. I'm still friends with my old boss and talk to him on a regular basis. But, you know, like to see, it's amazing that uh, 
like one or two people in an organization can oh, yeah. just just make everybody i mean the amount of people that left that year it was insane i mean we all just packed it up because of you know this one guy and it's you can't you can't cut 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 your way to profit no and you know shave things off we had a customer show up one time in the pilot lounge the tv was removed and 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 the guy running the company canceled the cable because it was costing too much money you know what i mean yeah i I do know what you mean it's, it's funny. I see. Well, I heard. I heard a good right toilet paper. <laughs> Bring yeah. your own toilet paper. Bring your own toilet paper. There was that. Then there was uh what? They painted. They painted the bathroom, and so they're so cheap that they use the, the Honeywell green because they got a ton of it in the back. So they go in and spray the bathrooms. <laughs> I didn't know that. Are you serious? Yeah, that's the Honeywell green that's in the that was in the bathrooms. Oh no! Oh yeah. no! Jeez! Oh. <laughs> so anyway so so greg leaves i left it was the beginning of the the future for both of us but that was watching greg do this next part was uh it was pretty cool so that's what we're here to talk about really is is i mean i think the journey is so cool but i'm really interested to hear about this next part where where you're at and what you're doing right now greg and kind of how that's evolved and and frankly, where you see it going, you know, uh, now that we're past the China virus or almost, or I guess I'm red, I don't know. I mean, depends on where, what part of your governor's in, but anyway, um, on where you're at in the virus. But um, anyhow, so tell us where you're at and what you're doing and, and kind of what you expect it to do in the future. I mean, it sounds pretty cool. So, yeah, so what we focus on is turbine um, engine repair uh, component and parts repair and overhaul. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've over the past seven years, we obviously we started out, excuse me, obviously we started out in TPE 331 yeah. parts. Um, and we primarily focused on the gearboxes and whatnot and doing the machining and welding right. and rework of those. And we've since seemed to find ourselves um doing quite a bit of welding. Um I got certified and I got AWS D17.1 specification for uh, fusion welding for aerospace applications. Nice. um, We're certified in that, which supersedes MIL standard 2219 and 15, I think it is like 08 or something or another one. I forget what it is, but those are old standards that have been superseded by AWS. But anyway, so getting on the TPE train and doing those component repairs and overhaul, um, we're, we've, we've just kind of found ourselves getting into a lot more machining. Um, mm-hmm. we do a lot of, uh, we're up to three brand new CNC machines now, uh, full five axis production, live tooling lays, um, all brand new equipment. We have ovens, we can, soda, glass clean parts, glass bead. Um, We've got acid treatment tanks. We've got NDT, both magnetic particle and uh, fluorescent penetrant. Uh, Level four, uh, which is the highest level. Um, We have in-house personnel that do that. Um, All of our uh, TIG welding is done in-house with state-of-the-art equipment. we do uh, bearing overhaul and inspections. We do um, involute gear inspections. Uh, we do CMM 
uh, inspections to NIST standards. Now, the, the involute gear machine, that is the, uh, Nathan, this thing is from like World War II. Yeah, really? it, it, it was, it was built in 1956. Yeah, oh, it's, that's it's cool. Sweet. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, it was overhauled in 1988 and is considered a, a quote unquote fresh machine. <laughs> so, so all this does, all this machine does is down to um, down to half of one ten thousandth, I would believe. So about five decimal places. It will tell you Jesus. The, how far out the involute gear profile of a um, of a gear is um, wow. with res retrospect to the master involute that's set down in the machine. Wow. Um, pretty sophisticated. All the metal on it is, has been hand scraped to perfectly flat. Um, the guy who set it up for us, he had to come up. Um, I think it's the only guy left on the planet, it sounds like, that works on these things. And uh, he's, he was adamant. He says, don't sneeze. Don't fart, don't get any dust, yeah. nothing while I put this thing together because any speck of dust will throw it off, blah, blah, one of those machines. It's one of those wow. machines. Wow, wow. So we got into, I was dumb enough to get into that and uh, um, just kind of the, the whole micro process down to the nitty gritty level has always just interested me. And um, it's kind of a dying breed. Um, a lot of OEMs like to sell you new parts at you know nine thousand dollars a piece for stators and stuff. And um, there's a big market for the repair industry. Sure, there is. And and uh, people are looking for that because these manufacturers are are getting out of hand with some of these prices. Honeywell yep. just took an, a fifty percent plus increase almost across the board. Um, that's good for me, but yeah, um, it's not good for the shops really, and not right. good for the end user certainly. Um, so they're always looking for ways. Um, I'm finding in, in in engine manufacturers across the board, they're looking. People are looking for uh, alternate support for their uh, turbine engine repair and overhaul. We are we've gotten into everything from. PT6 exhaust ducts to now we're making um, uh, C4, uh, well, now it's Rolls Royce, um, used to be the Alcin 250 line of engines. Right. Uh, C47 right. is probably the largest number of that big helicopter engine, and um, in case anybody listening is wondering. Um, but we're making um, the some internal engine parts for that, some compressor vane plates uh, for a vendor of our or a customer of ours that uh, does a braze repair. Um, we're getting into fourth and fifth axis machining um, for some aerospace stuff. Um, we have repaired, uh, weld repaired uh, bleed tubes on uh, beach jet JT15D inlets um, and completely put it back together. We do some pretty, pretty extensive sheet metal work. Um, we've yeah. had wings in here off of yaks uh, oh wow! Completely rebuilt oh, wow. from wrecks. Um, we do just about anything that the talent employee here allows us to do. Cool. So, and we have found ourselves working on pretty much right now. 
Um, right across from me on my table out there is a pair of Nordam thrust reverser stangs. Do you know what those are? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The They're always that, cracked. They're on always my cracked. Rear 60 and my G200. Well, guess what? Guess what we do here? You, you, are, you are talking to a certified aluminum aerospace welder that can fix that, blend it, and polish it in-house. That's part of the stuff that we get into. Um, and you mean I don't have to pay Gulfstream prices to get my G200 stangs welded? I don't even need to <laughs> ask you what those prices are to know that we're going to be cheaper than that. No, Greg, Greg, can, Greg can probably save you at least 5% off the Gulfstream prices. <laughs> 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 so, so Nathan, yeah. what does a Gulfstream staying go for? You know, I I haven't uh, been engaged in that in a long time in those airplanes, but I just know that from my previous life that we, um, as a as a fleet, scrapped. Gosh, I don't know how many of those those TR staying panels for really? on those three hundred six A engines that are on a G two hundred. Um, oh, yeah. You know, there's some repairs and EOs that'll let you basically hog out the corner uh, of those stain panels where that crack commonly originates, but that doesn't solve the problem. They still crack. So mm -hmm. there's some SRM doubler repairs that you can do that also doesn't stop the cracking. Um, so it's interesting that you all are able to uh, weld them because I'll tell you the airplanes that I have managed myself or um, have helped clients with. Um, we've never been presented with a weld option, even at non-Gulfstream facilities. And the oh, same on a Lear 60 uh, with, with yeah. on the 305. It's the same, same crack area um, you find all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I believe it. Greg, how do you go about getting that? Like, how did you even get, how did you get on the list to be able to do that? Mm -hmm. As far as? I mean, can you just can you just wing it and say, hey, I can weld, so I'm going to take this and I'm going to weld it and call it good and repair it, or do you have to go through? Golf oh, so that's so that's that goes on to the repair station questions. You guys want to get yeah. into that? Yeah, let's get okay. into it. Okay. So when I started Great Lakes, um, we obviously needed to be a repair station, and I had a buddy of mine that uh, in the FAA at the time that gave me templates for all the manuals. Right. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna condense this because this was a nine month long process and yeah sure we're probably down to maybe twenty minutes now so <laughs> um, but anyway Andy's got dinner cooking <laughs> Andy's got dinner cooking that's right so anyway um, so I basically took those templates plugged my information in um, realistically and and now because most of the FAA is working from home you might even be looking at longer. Um, yeah. but there's an application process. And if you've, if you've got a good FAA PMI, um, that you contact most of the time, most of the time the FAA will get back to you on an initial inquiry pretty well. Um, mm -hmm. and they will say, you, here's your guy you need to talk to. Here's the guy, here's the paperwork. And then what they basically want to do is they will, they will say, you need to do the X, Y, and Z. And they will give you a list. The best thing in my experience is to start talking to people that have gone through it. That's right. I did the same thing. And I started talking to people other than the FAA because the FAA is understaffed for their current agenda right. and they don't have time to lead you by hand and hold your hand for, to start a repair station. Well, it's not their job. 
It's not their job. That's absolutely right. I got, I was fortunate enough to have some help in the FAA, but even then um, he was limited in the amount of how much he could help me. There's also, there's also some clauses in their, um, in their, in their, uh, what, what do you want to call it? The, uh, the way they, their F, their business ethics that prevents right. them from being too open about helping somebody start a repair station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So therefore, I can't, I, I can't disclose the guy's name to help me either. Um, mm, yeah. But I, but I can, huh? Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> so, so um, anyway, he was he was instrumental in helping me. But there's there's lots of sources out there that can get you started. Um, I would we tailored our entire repair station manual to reflect um, conveniences that we would see coming for our particular business application. In other words, um, we weren't working on airplanes. We weren't necessarily an engine builder. We were focusing mm-hmm. on just parts. So we tailored our entire repair station and quality control manual and training manual based on the fact that we would only be working on parts. Right. The nice thing about most PMIs and FAAs are, uh, the FAA repairs, uh, FISDOs are, is that they will only hold you to um, follow whatever you put in your repair station man. Right. So if, if you, you say it, do, you better do it. <laughs> if you want to do something this way, that's fine. You just better follow it. And right. that's, their, that's their entire line of thinking. They don't care if you get the manuals out of a trash can as long as they're current. That's right. And so there's this whole learning curve I had. Um, and fortunately, the first PMI guy I had, it's, it's an interesting, quick, 30, hopefully 30-second 30 story here. My first PMI, um, when, I was, when I was towards the end of my tenure at National Flight, I had applied for a PMI position at the Cleveland FAA. Mm-hmm. And there were over 200 applicants, and it came down to me and this other guy. And they hired this other guy. And wouldn't you know, a year later, this guy comes walking through my door. <laughs> and he's my PMI for the first guy. That, that, and he knew because we both knew the same contact within the FAA sure. trying to get this job. And he said, well, you know, which it worked out great. I'm glad I don't, I'm glad I don't work at the FAA now. But, yeah. um, but anyway, so... Um, as far as starting a repair station, and, and if, you're, if you're starting a business at the same time, it's like starting two businesses at the same time. Right. No doubt. No doubt. I want to be clear on that. Yeah. There are hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, unless you've got deep pockets, unless you've got the funding to hire some people to help you. I did this all by myself, all of it. And 14-hour days were pretty common pretty yeah. common, um, Monday through Sunday. I mean, it was, it was nuts. First two years of that was, was pretty brutal. Um, I would recommend, I would recommend finding a friend, finding a, um, another person that can maybe yeah, get a mentor, right? Yeah. Mentor, somebody that can help you ease, ease the overwhelming way of how to word things in your manual. Mm-hmm. Um, templates are a dime a dozen. I'd be willing to help somebody with templates, not a problem. 
Um, you can get those anywhere. Um, it's it's basically just an example and a base structure of how sure. you can start a 145. Um, and the FAA, much to my surprise, um, is is was very helpful. Um, yeah. They, I had the one guy that was helping me. I went out to Cleveland one day. I remember. I remember this. I had my. I got. I. I wasn't sure what to expect. I'm you know, you know twenty. Yeah. Twenty or no? I, what was it? Thirty. Yeah, thirty some years old. I didn't know what to expect. I got a suit on, nice tie, shoes. I'm going out to Cleveland. Goodwill special. Goodwill, uh, <laughs> Goodwill special. <laughs> Goodwill, the good. <laughs> the Goodwill special suit. You know, the hundred dollar special from Value City, which they were in business back then. So, um, I run out there, and <laughs> I run out there, and I, I meet with uh, my friend who's helping me with all this, and and we're outside in the parking lot at the end of our discussions. We go in there, we go to lunch and stuff. And he says, "Let me tell you something. There is just as much confusion in there." And he pointed to the inside of the office at physical yep. as there is out here. No, that's exactly right. That and he is. said, you've got every single desk in there has a different opinion on how the regulations are to be interpreted. That's right. As to what is out here that we're talking about. That's right. He said, I can give you a set of standards right now. And he said, you can flush them down the toilet if you don't get me as a PMI. That's right. You're, you're going exactly to get a right. completely different set of standards. So in my life, we call it independently owned and operated FISDOs, right? That's They're, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> independently owned and that's, yeah, that's a good one. I, I haven't heard that before. Yeah, I like well, that. That's about how it is too. Yeah. yeah because yeah. you can go huh. down to the Columbus FISDO and get a completely different set of standards. Totally different story, right? We and see that with LOAs all the time. Yeah, and I've had three PMIs now, and uh, they all um, have had their. Uh, I'm not going to call it. I'm going to call it quirks and nuances type of deal. They all have had their different opinions on how to regulate. You know, yeah, yeah. and you need to do that. Well, the the most recent one I've had made me a little bit nervous at first, but it turned out to be okay because we, we run a pretty tight ship here. And I, mm -hmm. I, I wasn't really worried, but I, it was it was more of like a, gee, I've heard stories about this guy. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And so it really came down to, um, am I gonna make this work or what's he looking right, for? Right, right, right. came over and he says, how you doing this? And I wanna see you well and I'm gonna lay the bead for him and how you wanna do this? and how you and he finally after after the, I would say after his second visit, you could just tell his whole and I don't think right. I think he got assigned to us and he had almost no experience in the kind of processes that we do. And that I happens think, all he, the time. Yeah, that and he, all the right. Time. And he mainly was focused on airframes. And he's used right. to dealing with questions on annuals and inspections on That's aircraft. Right. Not very what, what alloy to use on this exhaust duct from a turbine engine he doesn't he doesn't know and right. so it, there's been a little bit of education there but after two or three visits now um he's he's got a warm and fuzzy about us he knows that we know what we're doing 
But it's all about the approach, right, Greg? I mean, I, I find right. that very often. I mean, if, you know, it's it's in any business transaction and, and engaging with the FAA is part of the business transaction, right? I mean, even though they're regulatory, there's not, you know, cash change in hands, there better not be. But anyway, um, right. you know, it's, it's still a transactional event. And if, if you approach them with, you know, with uh, a, a, a very professional, humble, an engaging sort of dialogue, right? So, so they have needs that need to be met. So do you. So I always find going in, asking them questions, right? Asking them how they like to see things, irrespective of whether that's, you know, sometimes it's a, you got to eat a lot of, uh, eat a lot of stuff, right? To, to get to yeah. where, yep, 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 where yep. you need to be. And, and, you know, if you've been in sales and having that background, that helps you a lot because you, I mean, you get that, right? So it's, 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 yeah. I'm not going to call it a psychological game, but it's absolutely it relational based. It is relational um, based. You, you need to understand very quickly the personality of your PMI. Yep. You need to be, you, you need to, and many times you need to swallow your pride. Yep. That's and, exactly right. And you need to understand where they're coming from mm -hmm. and I would say most of the guys, I'm not going to say all of them, but I would say most of the PMIs out there are probably pretty level-headed. And yeah. once you learn how to talk to them, once you learn what they're looking for, um, you can get stuff done. And, I agree. And I have, after three PMIs, I have not yet failed to find that, to find that path. And um, this guy was, this guy was no different and he just wanted to make sure we're being safe. Sure. All your regulations, get your tools calibrated, keep your shelf life stickers up to date. It's all simple, basic stuff. Yeah. The, the other thing you need to remember is that the FAA, and I was told this by two FAA PMIs, um, and I don't know how much I should, <laughs> I don't know if I should repeat this or not, but I'm going to, um, mm. they uh -oh. don't, now the good stuff they don't check up on paperwork. If you send them, if you follow the regulations and you have the paperwork in place, mm -hmm. they, they don't, it's not like they go call your calibration place where you get tools and say, hey, did Greg really get these tools calibrated? Right. That would be, in, think about the level of depth and then kind of hours and personnel that would sure be they, yeah and they don't have that right they, they don't even have that to do enforce the rules we have right. right so before anybody listening decides oh well that seems easy i can cut a lot of corners here's the caveat to that because those are there for a reason and if mm. something ever happens to anything you worked on and they start digging you're screwed right yep. you better yeah you better get religious real quick because That's right. I'll tell you what, they they will dig upon dig upon dig as far back as you got records and they'll show up unannounced. I watched it happen to places I used to work um, and they'll just go digging and dig. well, who did this? Well, where's this torque wrench? Well, here's a torque wrench. No, where's this serial number torque wrench that tor torqued this bolt on this day signed off by this mechanic right, 10 right. years ago? Now, if right. it requires you to keep records two years back, but here's another tip of the day, keep them longer. It's for your benefit. 
don't keep just two years. That also makes you look bad. <laughs> right. You know? Right. So if somebody says, well, have you ever had warranty? Well, yeah, a long time ago, but it was no big deal. Well, can you pull a work order? Well, yeah, I can pull it here. Well, and then they look and they say, well, you didn't fill out a self uh, correction sheet that your repair station, oh, well, I've been in business two years. I'm new to this. Sorry. And they give you a slap on the knuckles and you fill out the form and you get it done and you corrected the issue and life goes on. You're always better off doing that than you are trying to hide shit. Period. Absolutely right. Period. Absolutely right. So while the FAA is there to help, um, they also, most of the cool guys understand that they understand that the regulations need work. There's a lot of loopholes. There's a lot of question marks involved with the regulations even today after what is it 50 70 years or something yeah, yeah. so um it's a work in progress they're always making changes they're always trying to correct stuff and better stuff and um the best thing to do is be forthcoming be honest with them hey i want to do what you want me to do but i need to stay in business how can we work together that's right you know and I have yet to hear of a PMI, maybe a rare occasion. I have yet to hear of a PMI that is not willing to work with a repair station on a problem. Well, and usually so, when they won't, right? It's it's because of some underlying issue um, right. that goes back to that relational thing, right? Where where somebody hasn't done their job and nurtured the relationship. And look, yeah. I, I'm not suggesting, and, and those who know me know this, I'm not suggesting you go kiss anybody's ass, right? Because that's not the way I roll. But I do no. think I do think that we have an obligation and a responsibility to be professional. And look, if, if they won't play ball, the center manager, you know, the FISDO manager is, is a recourse. Beyond that, the MBAA can help. You know, if you're a member company, we have ways to certainly help and and give feedback all the way up to uh, DC if need be, right? If, if it's a if it's a performance issue with an individual. Now, don't mistake what I'm saying. Your non-conformance or lack of understanding of the rule isn't the FAA's performance issue, right? So. No, no, right. Now that's interesting. So the uh, before we go tonight, <clears throat> Greg's company is on MRO Insider too, so you can read up. Oh, is that it. right? So try to update your profile and try to get your capabilities out there into the hands of these facilities that we have now. But um, one of the other cool things, if you have time real quick to chat about is the uh, L39 stuff that um, yeah. doing and kind of, oh, kind of how yeah, that real, real quick, we had a long time ago, we had an associate of mine and I had a, had a party come up to us interested in converting, um, taking a Honeywell TFE731 turbofan engine dash three and putting it in a, um, uh, an L39 aircraft. Um, uh, alleviating the Russian engine um, that originally came with the Ukrainian engine. The aircraft was made in Czech. So um, we, that was about a two-year project. Uh, we were successful. Uh, we completed that, I believe, in February of 2014, or I think it might even been 15. Um, but as far as I know, there are other people out there working on this project. It really took mm -hmm. a lot of interest real quick. And um, we were, I think, one of the first people to have one completed. Um, That's awesome. And, 
And to this day, I believe some people will probably argue this, but I have inside information that I believe my conversion um, is the only one out there flying without issues. Yeah, I think it's the one that worked. <laughs> it's the one that worked. It's the one that worked. There you go. So, so did you go and like get you a SDC or provisional patent or something? You got that no, protected? You know what? You know what happened, Nathan? Um, the the owner of the aircraft that we converted um, mm. thought that patents would be uh, appropriate. And I said, sure, you know, so I, I, we included all this information and we, I think his intention was to get a patent. Um, but what happened was, is I think that between um, the availability to repair the Russian engines and the cost, mm. the cost of converting it to a TFE um, is, is, fairly it's it's almost double maybe even triple of what it would cost now to get the original russian engine fixed since they started that holy program. moly i started we i started the original program to repair the russian engines and sold it off to the company um when my partner split when i started great lakes he went with them he left great lakes i sold the remaining research and what we had going off of the russian right. engine repair off to them um, and i kept the i kept the conversion and so i went forward with the conversion here at great lakes they went forward with the engine repair at the same time um, there's really a solid sales pitch for both it really right. depends on what the owner's looking for sure some people want originality they want right. OEM configurations, and they and they want their rush a Russian engine fixed. Right. Um, I mean, it's like having an old Mustang, right? I mean, yeah, sometimes you exactly. just want it all original. Other times, exactly. I want to jerk all that out and put a brand new five o, you know, fuel injected right. motor in right. it. Right. And there's a lot, and most guys, a, a lot of guys want that, but there's also a few out there that have, you know, the finances available. To say, hey, that sounds like a really cool idea. This thing burns, the, the TFE burns 33% less fuel for about the same thrust. Well, that's right. kind of cool. And it's got half the fan spool up time, which is a right. safety So right. um, recovery, smooth. I mean, I've, I've, I flew six hours in test flights, upside down, corkscrews, loop-de-loops in this airplane awesome. when we got it done testing this engine. And at the end of six hours, at five and a half hours, my stomach had enough and I told him to land it. He's going to have to go <laughs> by himself and let me know. But, um, watching the world turn upside down in a few times, it was pretty awesome, but great conversion, super smooth. Everybody was happy with it. It's just a cost benefit thing, really. It comes sure, right down to the owner and what they're looking for. Um, and if somebody's looking to do that with an L39, um, I don't know that with everything else we got going on, um, I've had a couple people approach me about buying the rights to my conversion. Um, that'd be something I'd be interested in. I don't know if I'd be interested in doing any more conversions myself, Right. Um, but if someone wanted to uh, get into that, I'd certainly be willing to talk to them. So, sure. Awesome. Well, well we'll put up the, the strange thing was that the guy, the, the test pilot, Whenever he would come around, Greg and I would have to take our shirts off and play volleyball because he would wear the flight suit. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
Yeah. You, you thought you were in Comic Con for the L39. And so, yeah. you know, we'd all be doing all that. You could be my wingman anytime. <laughs> so y'all had y'all had highway to the danger zone blaring in the background, right? Oh, that's right. Pretty much. Yeah, that's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. That's funny. Well, you know, and so to your point, Greg, if, if folks are looking to get in touch, we'll we'll uh, we'll do a couple things. We're gonna put up the Great Lakes website and your LinkedIn profile in the show notes, so people can reach out to you and uh, and engage with you. And so. Um, Andy, it's funny that you mentioned that Great Lakes is on MRO Insider. Um, that's pretty cool because I bet there's a lot of shops, you know, out there um, that would could use these services, right? So it's not even just a, a, I would say, a B2C thing. Maybe it's a B2B opportunity in the MRO Insider space. That's kind of cool. So how many app downloads do we have, Andy? Do you know? Uh, 298 as of the two days ago, I guess. Oh, we're almost to the big three. Yeah. No, we're, we're excited because uh, November 1st on Sunday, we're, we're switching over. So our legacy site that we have disliked for three years will be gone yeah. and everything scheduled maintenance, everything will then be on the app. So not oh, just- Oh, that's eight. rad. That's and awesome. Then, oh, Congratulations. Can I add one more thing? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Repair station wise, smart thing yeah. to do, go to a capabilities list. Yes. Um, I was able to, when you go on a capabilities list versus a standard rating list and, and you're, you're tied to one thing you can do on a certificate, the FAA allows you an option to go to a capabilities list. You fill out a repair station self-evaluation form, um, which is the reason why we're able to work on, um, we can fabricate uh, C-47 helicopter engine parts and nice. weld a staying from a thrust reverser on a beach jet. Um, nice. And I can get that done in one day. Nice. Uh, so that's very, 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 very important to do. If you're looking to do um, more than one thing, especially in the parts and component world where you have several process capabilities such as ourselves, good idea to do it. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. That's great. That's very cool. Very, very cool. So there's a lot of great information that Greg's been able to share with y'all. So I hope you took good notes. Um, and again, his his LinkedIn profile, the Great Lakes website, all that'll be in our show notes from tonight. And as always, we would encourage you to um, visit some of our charities, right? We've got a whole handful of them, whether that's downloading the MRO Insider app, um, so Andy and Perry and, and Craig have to dig more holes this spring and plant more trees. That's cool. We like to see Andy work. Um, or whether it's, you know, Aviation Family Fund, um, Ace Academy in Atlanta, some other places. So, uh, and always the MBAA track scholarship to introduce new technicians into the workforce. So um, we encourage y'all to continue to supporting our, our um, charities that all our guests and everybody have brought on in the past. And then the last thing I want to say is a big thank you to all of our listeners. We're well over a thousand downloads now and growing really awesome. fast day by day. Good. So we really appreciate all the listeners. We've had great feedback. Um, I personally, and I haven't had a chance to talk to Andy and Lee. And again, we miss Lee tonight, but um, I personally have had five different people reach out with some podcast ideas this week um, that are, are really good ideas um, from some really interesting people that, um, you don't normally hear a lot from in our industry, and, and Greg's a great example of that. You've been a great guest tonight, man. I really appreciate you, um, 
And I appreciate your appreciate willingness you to, yeah, thank you. Yeah. And I appreciate your willingness to mentor and coach, you know, folks that are trying to figure out how to maybe bite off this repair station thing. You know, it's funny, every entrepreneur we've had on here, whether it's been um, Rick over at uh, Spirit, you, um, what was this, Scott from Avox, right? I mean, all these different people, Greg Hine from Flight Dogs, have all said, you know, if you got questions, reach out. And that's, I think that's what's the coolest thing about our industry and entrepreneurs in our industry. It's, it's like, hey, reach out and we can talk, right? If you need, if you have questions, you need to help, um, you want some advice, just reach out. So, um, Greg, thanks for being another one of those people. It's awesome. Sure. Well, there were, there were a lot of people that helped me out. And um, it's, it, it, that's how the, the wheels on the bus go round and round, mm -hmm. right? I mean, mm -hmm. we're, all, we're all here to help each other. It's not a very big, it's, it's a large industry, but relatively speaking to others, it's, it's not. And yeah, we've all been, we've all been around and traveling and you run into people going, I know that guy. Yeah, I know right that lady. I've seen her or him, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. I saw her at this place or that place. So right on. absolutely feet re return the favors. I'm all right about on. That. Amen. Cool. All right, Andy, any parting words of wisdom from you before we close it down without Lee on here? No, that's uh that's it for me. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I think that we pretty much covered it. I'm going to go eat my dinner. Awesome. Check, yeah, check dinner out, check out the dark Tom Schroeder's ball on YouTube. Just Google my name and put it on. For, yeah. So say it again. It's a good tune. The well, dark, what, what? Town, dark town strutters ball. Dark town Not strutters YouTube. ball. You'll, yep. see so, my name, you'll see my name come up. There's like five or 6,000 awesome awesome very cool well greg thanks again i appreciate it andy and i are going to go eat some dinner i hope you are too um and i i look forward to seeing you down the road and i'm going to go listen to dark town strutters ball all right guys. All right, I agree. thanks nathan thanks yeah, andy